Well, welcome. My name is Matt. Uh, I'm going to get the privilege to be able to speak to you today. Thanks for coming today. Welcome to Grace Church if it's your first time. If you're watching with us online, uh, let us know where you're watching from. And we are going to play a game this morning. If you guys, does everybody have their signs ready? Again, listen, hey, this is not my game. This is Ruthie's game. So if you don't play, you're hurting her feelings, not mine. Okay? This isn't, you're hurt, you've hurt Ruthie, okay? So play for Ruthie, all right? Try, try to at least. Um, the game is, if you don't know how to play the game, if you missed it a couple weeks, that was your fault, but you can play it today. Uh, you get to choose whatever you prefer, this or that. Pretty simple, and you need to show me the one that you're choosing. I think some people got a little confused like they were looking at it. Show me the one that you want to choose. Are you guys ready for the game? We get to learn about each other today. All right, here we go. So the first one is, would you choose this to call or that a text? Let me see. What would you prefer in here? Man, we got a lot of text and a couple calls. Yep. I'm kind of old school, but I love text messages. Like if you're, you're wondering right now, why doesn't Matt ever pick up for me? Just send me a text. It'll work. All right. Next one. Black coffee or frou-frou coffee? Where are we at? This is black coffee. That is frou-frou coffee. Okay, those are pretty good votes. My buddy Heath in the back, he always gets frou-frou coffee every week. I'm always telling him, stop walking over there to Starbucks, getting frou-frou coffee. I think he gets a pedicure while he's over there too, but frou-frou coffee. That's usually how it works, right? You get frou-frou coffee, you get a pedicure. Isn't that how it works? Maybe that's where I'm at. All right, next one. Next, this or that. You guys ready? Travel time or read the mind? What would you prefer? Let me see. Would you rather travel time, the capability, or to read people's mind? All right? I'm seeing a lot of travel times. Couple people want to read people's mind. I feel like if you traveled far enough in the future, you could figure out some kind of machine that could read people's mind. Wouldn't you say? I don't know. All right, next one. This is the weekend, or that is a holiday. What would you prefer, the weekend or the holiday? Let me see. Okay, you guys didn't get a sign. Ruthie, they didn't get a sign up here. They need some signs. Jay needs a sign, yep. Um, I think I would prefer the weekend. Holidays kind of mess it up for me a little bit. Does anybody like that? It's like, I wasn't expecting that. Like last Monday, I was like, kind of had a longer weekend because of that. Um, all right, next one. This one's important. Choose wisely. Would you rather have Pastor Clark or Martha? Choose wisely. Choose wisely. This could be your last choice, or it could be my last choice. I don't know. You never know. If you don't see me, it's because of this one right here, all right, after this. I figured... You'd want Martha to pray for you and Clark to preach to you, right? Like, that's kind of how I figured, you know? Like, all right, Clark, if he was praying for you, he'd be like, get over it, all right? Just get on with your bad self. Same with Ruthie. You just want Ruthie praying for you. I'm not the best choice, okay? You already knew that. I could tell. All right, next one for this or that is fan at night or no fan. Let me see. Where's my fan people? Kind of wave it around like you're a fan person. That's what I'm talking about. This is a fight in my house almost every day for 20 years. 
pray for us, okay? Guess what? I win every time, though. I win the fan fight. All right, next one, this or that. Would you prefer Coke or Pepsi? Where's my Coke people? We got Coke people in here. I feel like Pepsi, you kind of hung out like close to the woods a little bit. Like country people like, country people like Pepsi. Maybe that's just me, I don't know. All my friends growing up, I was like, yeah, they live in the country a little bit. Coke people are sophisticated. All right, this or that, luxury or sports car? What would you guys prefer? Luxury or sports car? I was thinking luxury. Sports, I feel like I just, I drive 10 miles under the speed limit already, so what would I need a sports car for? Right? All right. And uh, number nine is work for the news or be on the news. I feel like, Melissa, you would be on the news. I don't think you would work for the news. I feel like you would be, where's, yeah, Steve would be on the news too, right? I think so too. Yeah, Milton, you'd be on the news, yep, I know. All right, and the last one is the Knowles or the Gators. What would you guys prefer? Some of you are like, go Knights, go Knights. Look, when I was a kid, there were no Knights. Some of you guys, where's Miami fans in here? Yeah, a couple, two, like two, right? It was the, the rivalry was between the Knowles and the Gators. How many of you guys liked the, the games last weekend? That was pretty good, right? Some of you, I saw pictures were there. It was great. All right, good job. Give it up for yourselves. Give yourselves a hand clap. I know, it's tough with the sign. Way to go. I know. We're going to do these the next couple weeks, so hopefully you can, you're kind of warmed up. All right. So three weeks ago, if you remember, we did a message called This or That, and that was the church edition. Does everybody remember that? We did church edition. Uh, Rick spoke the last two weeks. Didn't he do a great job? Uh, he talked about me, which he didn't talk about me. He talked about you, but he, his title was Me. And I actually had, was writing at the same time, and I had written, I wanted to do a you edition. So it kind of just all ties in with the me and the you and all that fun conversation. And you'll see where we're going the week after. But make sure not to miss them. They're going to be fun. But are you guys ready to play? So we're going to play. We're going to continue to play the same game. So you get to choose on this. This is like a choose-your-own-destiny kind of thing. Um, are you ready to play? You guys got your signs still? All right, here's the first this or that with the message. All right, this, are you a soldier in God's army or that, are you a citizen in God's kingdom? What would you vote? There are no wrong answers here today. You get to have fun. Would you say you are a soldier in God's army or a citizen in God's, we got a pretty good 50-50 here, cool. Some people are going both ways, I get it. You're like, I wanna be both. Yeah, I get it. All right, so are you or are we a soldier for God? We're going to kind of tackle that one first if you guys want to hang in there with me. Um, how many of you guys went to kids' church in here? Did you guys go to kids' church growing up, right? They sang a lot of fun songs in there. Do you guys remember um, Father Abraham and many sons? And many sons said Father Abraham, right? And I am one of them, and so are you, so let's just praise the Lord. Everybody remembers that song, right? I mean, come on. And usually, like, somehow, like, it was like a melody. It would kind of carry over into, um, I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot. You guys can sing with me. Shoot the artillery, which we would never get away with saying that these days. I may never fly over the enemy, but I'm in the... 
We're going to do it again. I'm in the Lord's. I'm in the Lord's. I may never. Come on. March in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never fly over the enemy, but I'm in the. Okay, you got it. That was great. All right, so that was as kids, right? Then as adults, this is embarrassing. Okay, in the 90s, do you guys remember the song, I went to the enemy's camp? Do you guys remember that? And I took back what he stole from me, and I, we did the, we did the movement. Can you believe that? We, and I, right? Okay, so I remember, like, I was like a new believer when I started going to church in the 90s. People were singing that song, uh, and I was always, I, I got a question and I'm still going to ask that same question. Okay, some of the Baptist people are like, what are they talking about? I didn't sing none of that. Good for you, all right? But uh, I was always wondering, where is the enemy's camp? Okay, like where were you going, the camp? Like I know camping, but that doesn't, doesn't really translate. I, I'm a little confused about it. I'm still wondering where this camp is, right? So I love the military, right? I tried joining the military uh, years ago. For some reason, they wouldn't let me in. I don't really know why. Uh, no, I just chose not to go in. But love, I love camouflage, right? I even love going over to the gym and getting yelled at as if I'm in boot camp all week long, okay? So I love all of those things. But I am presenting to you today that possibly Christendom or being a Christian does not necessarily translate to soldier dumb. Okay? Does that make any sense? So being a Christian doesn't necessarily make you a soldier in God's army. When Jesus said, I came to bring a sword, you guys remember that part where he said, I came to bring a sword, you know most of the zealots that were there, they were like, yes, he said a sword. And they probably pulled out their swords as well. And, you know, Peter, he chop somebody's ears off and all that jazz, and Jesus was like, stop doing that. Um, but Jesus, when he said, I came to bring a sword, he wasn't necessarily saying, We're, I'm calling you into battle. I'm not calling you in, into arms, right, to, to fight with God's army. Um, you also remember uh, where he said, my peace I give to you, my peace I, live to, I leave with you, not as the world gives, I give it to you. And so it's funny to think about Jesus in that way because a lot of the time we want to think of him as like a military person or he's leading us and he's God's army and he's a soldier and all those things. And I think I, I, I thought a lot of that for a lot of years. I, I really did. Um, and I think a lot of this thinking comes from, and I got a couple places we're going to go there, um, but I think the soldier type of thinking derives from two places. The first place I want to talk about is 2 Timothy 2, 2, 2, verses through 3, right? With the kids, I used to go 2, 2, 2, right? But 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, and we're going to read into verse 3. It says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Right? That's interesting. That's an interesting phrase if you really think about it. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable 
people who will also be qualified to teach others. Verse 3, it says, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Now, it's interesting, right, that he said, like a good soldier in Jesus Christ. Verse 4, it says, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please the commanding officer. Now, I think a lot of people think, well, we're automatically a soldier because he said the word soldier, but that is actually the only place where the word soldier is mentioned in the New Testament. Okay, and it's interesting that all he said was, like a good soldier. He was comparing it to something that we saw or something that he was seeing. The second place that I believe we find this soldier type thinking is in Ephesians 6. Does everybody know Ephesians 6? Uh, I I used to work it into my prayers back in the day. Um, I don't think I prayed every day without working this into my prayers prayer, and I used to say, God, I thank you, God, that the helmet of salvation, do you guys remember all of these? I'm not going to go through the whole helmet of salvation, God, and I have the breastplate of righteousness. I have the girdle of truth. My feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel. I have the shield of faith. I have the sword of, of the Spirit, and when you think about that, right, do you have God's armor on right now? In other words, what was the process by which you put that armor on? Are you wearing it as we speak right this moment? When Paul wrote about the armor of God, he was in prison, right? Can you guys agree? When he was writing about this, he was actually in prison. Maybe he was in house arrest. We're not really sure. But he saw these soldiers going in and out. And I believe that when he did that, he also was realizing that possibly the connection here could be easily understood because other people are seeing soldiers as well. And so he said he went through all of the different armors that he was seeing on these soldiers. He wrote these well-known words. Could it be, and this is just a question to think about, okay? Could it be that putting on the armor of God does not necessarily mean praying harder? Could it be that putting on the armor of God does not necessarily mean taking the scripture and working it into your prayer language on a daily basis? Every day, I would also quote these scriptures. I would say, God, I thank you, God, that I have the mind of Christ, that I think on the thoughts that are true and honest and pure and just and lovely and of a good report with virtue and praise. That's Philippians 4.8. Then I'd hop over to 2 Corinthians 10.5, where it says to take captive every thought and bring it to the obedience of Christ. And you really think about the obedience of Christ. What does that mean? I can tell you I don't believe that it has everything to do with just commanding the enemy to stay away from you. I'm not saying that there isn't an enemy. Can we all agree that there's some type of enemy that we deal with? But we are so distracted in in and of ourselves for protecting ourselves to, to a point. With all the noise, with all the chatter, could it be that putting on spiritual armor was putting on Christ? Romans 13, 14, it says in the Passion, it says, instead, fully immerse yourselves into the Lord Jesus, the anointed one, and don't waste even a moment, moment's thought on your former identity to awaken selfish desires. See, I believe when you're trying to constantly fight the enemy, when you're trying to defeat 
the enemy, you actually can awaken selfish desires. So then if we don't really have a huge dog in the fight, what are we? Who are we? I present that we possibly are citizens in God's kingdom. Philippians 3.20 through 21, it says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly for the, wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. I love what John 14, 2, it says, In my Father's house there are many resting places. Other translations say mansions. Where otherwise I would have told you, for I am going to make a place for you. Ephesians 2.19 in the Amplified, it says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, outsiders, without right or citizenship, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, God's people, and are members of God's household. This is why Paul said, in him, we live and move and have our being. Here's what I'm trying to tell you about being a soldier. I, I welcome you. If you'd like to continue to be a soldier for God, that is okay. I just don't really want to spend a lot of my time trying to fight the enemy back when I believe that we, we, he's already been conquered. We, ha, we don't have a whole lot of fight in this situation. What, think about what I just said about resting in the grace. Be strong in the Lord. What does that look like? I know it doesn't have anything to do with my capability or what I can do. You guys hanging in there? We're going to go to the next this or that if you guys got your signs. Uh, it's kind of switching gears into a different topic, but it's still about you. We're still doing the you edition. So the next um, question I want to ask is, is God's forgiveness to you, is it paid in full, this, or is it that he still owes us something? I, he gave us an IOU. What would you guys say? Is it paid in full, or is there still an IOU? He still owes us something Basically, his forgiveness comes in segments, okay? And I often hear, thank you guys for voting, I often hear uh, often that um, this question or this conversation, and you'd think it would be settled, wouldn't you? Like you'd think forgiveness would be one of those things that would be settled, but I often hear, Matt, when you tell people that people have received forgiveness for their past, present, and future, you're making it too easy. And I want you to know, I agree with you. <laughs> but I didn't actually make it easy. He made it easy, right? He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I didn't make it easy on people, Jesus did. They'll say, Matt, when you say that forgiveness, past, present, and future, is too extreme, you're offering cheap forgiveness. It actually encourages people to sin. I had a phone call before I moved here to work at this church. I had a friend of mine that called and said, Matt, you got to be careful about being a part of one of those grace churches that encourages people to sin. And I thought, I've never been to a church like that before. I don't even know that they exist. I don't even know a Christian that would tell you, go ahead and enjoy your sin. That would be weird. 
That's a weird conversation. It's a weird assumption to think that if people talk about grace too much, then they're just encouraging people to go out and sin. I believe cheap forgiveness is when you say he only forgives when we repent. I believe cheap forgiveness is what I call layaway forgiveness. You guys know what I mean by that? Anybody ever been to layaway? They don't really have it. I used to work at Walmart for a small segment in my life when I was like 17, and they put me back in the layaway department, which is a weird department for you to work at, but it was just, I was like, okay, I got a job. I don't really care. And I worked back there, and what's interesting that they used to do is they only required 10%, a small little percentage. And what I found is you had to pay 10% every month. So you'd see people running in at the last second to pay their 10%, right? Every single month, they'd, they'd run back there, and sometimes they'd be out of breath, and they're like, is it closed? Can I still pay my 10%? I'm like, sure, yeah, just pay it. It's fine. Um, I don't even know that they do that anymore. But what's interesting is it was in segments that they felt as though they had to pay, and then by the time, sometimes they would run out, and we'd have to take all their stuff and put it back on the shelves, And I believe that when you say that God only forgives when we repent, what you're saying is that he didn't have the cash to be able to pay the whole thing off. He didn't have the capability to forgive our past, our present, and our future. When we act like God didn't pay it in full, we're saying that we can do a better job than Jesus could do. That he left the job half done. What happens to me, like I asked the question, what happens when you forget to confess? Did forgiveness not happen? What happens if you confess and you, and you left one thing out? Did forgiveness not happen? Can I promise you, you left one thing out? You probably left a lot more things than you realize. You probably did. Matthew 26, verses 28 It says, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This this next verse is becoming one of my favorite verses. Uh, Hebrews 9.22, it says, according to the law, almost everything is purified by blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Without what? The shedding of blood. The shedding of blood is the rite of passage that we have to get to forgiveness. It is our rite of passage, right? Not when you repent, not when you beg and you plead for God's forgiveness, not even when you ask Forgiveness was already provided. When was Christ's blood shed? That's the question. At the cross, wouldn't we all agree with that? Wouldn't you agree with that at home? Right? You would agree that at the cross, blood was shed. Then that is when forgiveness happened. Otherwise, he would have to keep coming back over and over and over. And as far as I'm concerned, I haven't seen him. Right? So it happened. He came, he died, he paid. He forgave our sins and the whole world's sins, past, present, and future. And you're fooling yourself if you think you can do what Christ already has done. The sinless lamb of God paid a high price to carry your sin. Can you pay that same price? All right. 
IOU and paid in full is a perfect segue into this next and final conversation that we're going to have today, okay? Are you guys ready with your this or that? All right, next one. This, your tithing is 10% required or that your tithing is 100% retired. Now, if we could pass the buckets before we get to the end of this one, <laughs> we should be safe, okay? Your tithing is 10% re required either, okay, so I'll just say it this way. Is, are we still paying 10% or has the tithe been done away with? Everybody vote. Go ahead. Let's see. And there's no judgment. Anybody can say anything. If you don't know, you don't have to put your sign up, okay? All right, good job. Did we pass, pass the buckets yet? No? Okay. Um, so this conversation is a little close to my heart um, only because I, I dealt with a lot of the repercussions of it, okay? And when I was in, you guys have heard my, some of my story, went to a big mega church uh, out in Oklahoma and got a lot out of that that church while I was there. But I'll tell you, some of the people that were there that were attending, I dealt with a side of legalism that I actually haven't really run into much over the years other than when I was there. And one of the guys, um, you know, while I was attending there, I was hanging out with a group of guys and I was kind of sharing how I was broke and I was barely making money. I had to pay uh, for school. I had to pay for my living expenses. And then at some point I got a girlfriend, which everybody knows that made me real broke, right? And so... Anyway, so I was explaining to a group of my friends how I was not able to pay my tithe that week, right? And I thought I was in good company. I thought that was fine. I noticed, have you guys ever said something where like you noticed that somebody didn't agree with what you said and he kind of went like this in the back and I was like, uh-oh, that means like he didn't agree with what I did. I'm about to get in trouble. And so we walked outside, he caught up to me and he caught up to me with his Bible in hand, okay? If anybody ever catches up to you with your Bible in hand, keep running because it's probably not going to go well, right? Just doesn't let you know, oh, there's a Bible, got to go, sorry. But he opened up his Bible, and, you know, here I am, I'm 20 years old, and he opened up to Malachi 3. And everybody knows what that says. We're not going to go through that. I, I want to do a whole series on this, just so you all know, so at some point we will. Uh, but I just want to talk about a little bit about, it talks about robbing God and stealing from God and all these things. And it talked about storehouse, and I thought, well, storehouse, that's got to be church, right? It couldn't be where they take cattle and grain and all these other things. So I just thought, man, I don't want to rob God. I don't want to steal from God. I was frustrated. I was upset. I went away feeling very condemned and like, man, I, and I remember I paid tithe for a long time after. And I, guess what, guys, just to let you know, I actually stayed broke. <laughs> I stayed broke. And you might say, well, you know, Ruthie started feeding me, thank God, because um, I was starving. And I remember you could say, well, God brought her into my life. I don't know. We'll get into that conversation another day. Um, but I dealt with a difficult time about that, and I just want to encourage you today, if you ever feel like uh, God would change his mind about you based on your giving, I want you to understand God loves you way beyond any of that kind of thinking, right? If you're at home, you feel the same way. If you think that the windows of heaven, or Scott, the shutters of heaven are closed, right? Because of your lack of giving, I want you to understand you're missing it. 
Um, if you think that God needs your money of any kind, if you ever heard that kind of thinking, I promise you, you're missing something there. In the Gospels, the word tithe actually only appears three times. Okay, I'm going to read those to you, and you, they're not going to be on the screen. If you want to write them down, you're welcome to. It's in Matthew 23, 23, Luke 11:42, and again in Luke 18:12. And these are addressing people under the law. Okay, he's connecting with people here. And you might say, well, those are the Gospels. I'm sure in the epistles, which were written to us, I'm sure that it's mentioned there. It's instructed. I want to give you a quick overview of the different books real quick. And again, I said quick. Okay, so hang in there with me. I'm going to tell you which ones don't have it real quick. You ready? So Acts doesn't have it. Romans doesn't have that word. 1 Corinthians doesn't have it. 2 Corinthians doesn't have it. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon, James, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, 1, 2, 3 John, Jude, and Revelation do not have that word in the New Testament. Okay, so the, tithe, the only place that the word tithe is mentioned is in Hebrews. Again, we're going to do a series on this, and I'll break it down. I'm not going to break it all down today, but I'll read to you quick the portion of Hebrews that is mentioned. Hebrews 7, 5 through 9. Hebrews 7, verses 5 through 9, it says, It would be understandable if Melchizedek had been a Jewish priest for later on God's people were required by law to support their priests financially because of the priests were their relatives and Abraham's descendants. But Melchizedek was not Abraham's Jewish relative, and yet Abraham still paid him a tithe. Melchizedek imparted a blessing on mighty Abraham who had received the promises of God, and no one could deny the fact that the one who has the power to impart a blessing is superior to the one who receives it. That's Speaking, I, I believe that's referring to Jesus and the law that we're no longer under. It's a representation, right? Although the Jewish priests received tithes, they, they all died and they were mortal. But Melchizedek lives on. Verse 9, it says, It could even be said that Levi, the ancestor of every Jewish priest who received tithes, actually paid tithes to Melchizedek through Abraham. See, I believe that this is a story, and I still don't see any kind of command. Do you? This means that in the New Testament, out of 260 chapters, 7,959 verses, 181, 253,000 words, there are zero commands in the New Testament about the believer having to tithe. So why does the greater church, I don't know if you guys have been to the greater church, spend 15 minutes in between their services, in between worship and a message talking about the tithe? Why is that done? Don't you think Paul would have spent a little more time on it, looking at the early church? Don't you think he would have spent a little more time talking about that? The only place that I found that generosity is really even talked about is 2 Corinthians 9, 7, and I want to read that to you. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Did you hear, hear the word tithe in there? Did you hear the word church in there? Did you hear when the plate is passed in there? I know I didn't. Generosity, obviously, is something that we should be excited about. 
It doesn't necessarily have to be towards church. It doesn't necessarily have to be towards a mission. A mission. Although all of those things are good. Maybe it's your waiter. Or maybe you don't actually have the money to be able to give. And, and you're fighting with your spouse. Man, I, I would encourage you. Let that sink in. If, if, if we are free, right? If there's really, therefore now, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, why would that change when we get to the topic of tithe? Why would that change? It doesn't make any sense. Well, you're free to do all the things that God has opened the heavens except for tithe. The tithe is where you got to still continue. I had a, I don't know if, if Ray Harms is here this morning, but he came up to me a couple weeks ago after my message about this or that with church. And uh, he leaned into me and he goes, Matt, he goes, I just want you to know, he goes, I wasn't going to come back till Thanksgiving because you kind of let me off the hook uh, from church. And I tied up and I was like, for people like you, man, I would love for you to feel that way, right? I mean, he's, he's been here every week, so don't stress out. But I believe that that is how it works. You let people decide what they want to do. We're not under any kind of law. If you want to come to church, come. If you want to help involve and be involved in church, be involved. If you want to give, give. And I'm saying the things this morning that I would want to hear. I would want somebody to tell me this. Amen? Um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to do communion. Um, so as I'm praying, if we could have um, the ushers please pass the elements. But just want to thank you for coming this week, guys. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I enjoyed myself. I'm enjoying digging into these things and learning more and learning who we are in Christ. Amen? So today, Father, we thank you for each one that's here. We thank you for releasing us and giving us God, the ability to hear from you, to hear what you're saying to us, to live by the Spirit, to live by you, to live in relationship with you, that there is not, no obstruction near you. And so we trust in you today. We thank you, God, for everything that you're doing for us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen.